Hi, I am reading from Matthew chapter 4, from verse 1 to verse 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these two stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And the devil left him. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Today is week three of our sermon series, so grab your fall festival package inside the envelope. We find a coaster with a wilderness scene painted by one of our staff. I also have my Heidelberg mug with me today, home to the oldest university in Germany, a center for research, study, and books. I like books. South of Heidelberg, you will find Waltenbuch the headquarters of Ritter Chocolate. I love chocolate. It just becomes bad for me when I like it too much. Books are good. They can be used to educate and inspire. They can also be used to deceive and imprison. Temptations, you know, they they often encourage us to use good things like books and chocolate in the wrong way. I've been sobered over the last few months as I've observed people struggling with temptation. They struggle because of their desire to take for themselves what God has not given them in terms of money, sex, power. They struggle because of their willingness to promote their own agenda to get what they want, even when it involves deceit, usually telling half-truths. They struggle because they believe they are above God and above those who might challenge them. Just plain pride. I have found their struggle especially disturbing because humanity has struggled with these temptations since the beginning of time. And sometimes I see these things in myself. Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote, and I quote, If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil, it cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? End of quote. Adam and Eve, the first humans, faced temptations in the Garden of Eden. They took the fruit of the tree because it was good for food, 
pleasing to the eyes, and it would make them like God. John, a close disciple of Jesus, refers to our human dilemma in this way. 1 John 2.16, I quote, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So we are tempted and we fall. Essentially, the same story repeats itself over and over again. Is there no way out of this destructive cycle? Are we just preconditioned to fall to temptation? If you identify with this struggle in any way, and if you are human, you will, please stay to the end. In this passage that we study today, Jesus faces temptations which are unique to him, but he also shows us the way forward. Observing the beautiful way of Jesus, we will find there's actually a way to overcome temptation. As Peter, another disciple of Jesus, would later write, Jesus left us an example so that we might follow in his steps. So let's look at Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just prior to this temptation, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism. Now he is led by the same Spirit into the wilderness. This is our first observation. The Spirit of God is upon him and leading him. This is not outside of God's plan. This is not happening because he has sinned. Then, notice Jesus is fasting and praying. His entire earthly ministry stretches out before him. He's preparing himself for the entire work of the Father, what the Father will entrust to him. Prayer and fasting clarify vision. They strengthen resolve. The salvation of humanity is at stake, and the devil knows it. There's always more at stake than the temptation itself. Jesus will be tempted. In Greek, the word for tempt can also mean test. A temptation is an enticement to go contrary to God's will. James, the brother of Jesus, writes, God never tempts anyone to do evil. God never works for the demise of anyone. Under his sovereignty, however, difficult circumstances and enemy attacks are used to provide an opportunity for a person to grow in their calling and character. Jesus is tempted by the devil. In this passage, he appears as the devil, the tempter, and Satan. Devil is Greek in origin. Satan is Hebrew. Both refer to one who is a slanderer, accuser, opponent. The devil is hostile toward God and his people. The devil is not just some impersonal force behind racism, not just the personification of the inner corrupt self, not just a symbolic representation of systemic injustice. He's an intelligent, powerful spirit being that is thoroughly evil, the supreme adversary of God, 
who leads all the spiritual forces of darkness. He's intent on undermining every advance of the culture of heaven on earth. Note that Jesus has been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus' 40 days of fasting in the wilderness parallels Israel's experience of 40 years of wilderness wanderings. As the people of Israel were led by God in the wilderness, so Jesus is led by the Spirit. Both Jesus and Israel were being prepared for their respective missions. Both Jesus and Israel experienced hunger. The devil approaches Jesus with a conditional phrase. If you are the Son of God, the Father has just spoken from heaven, affirming Jesus at his baptism. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The if statement of the devil is not so much a way to get Jesus to doubt his identity as the Son of God, but a way of enticing Jesus to act contrary to the Father's will. The devil wants Jesus to live by the culture of earth rather than the culture of heaven. In essence, the devil says, you're the son of God. Surely this means you have the power and the right to satisfy your own needs. Take care of yourself. After all, you're God's son. You have the right to indulge all your desires and appetites whenever you want. Doesn't that sound like the messaging of our culture today? Our text today, it highlights three ways to leave the beautiful way. The first is this. Make satisfying your desires a higher priority than obeying the Father. The temptation uh, that was presented to Jesus was not to do something inherently evil. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with turning stones into bread. But Jesus had emptied himself to carry out the Father's mission. The devil wanted to entice Jesus to use his powers to just chart his own course. The temptation was to not trust the Father to supply all that he needed in the Father's timing. The devil wanted to drive a wedge between the Son and his Father, if at all possible. The same taunt is hurled at Jesus when he's dying on the cross. And I quote from Matthew 27. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. The chief priests, scribes, and elders mock him saying, again I quote, he trusts in God, let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. Leaving the cross would have wiped out the purpose of his coming. Jesus responds to each temptation with, it is written. All of Jesus' quotations in this passage, they come from Deuteronomy 6 through 8, the section of Moses addressed to the Israelites before their entry to the, into the promised land, in which he reminds them of their 40-year wilderness testing, a time of preparation and learning. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know 
nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God allowed them to experience hunger so that they might be humbled, learn to depend on him, and experience his miraculous provision of manna. In that experience, they were to learn that hearing and obeying God's word, trusting God, was more important than satisfying their need for food. As Israel was tested by God's design, so was Jesus. As Israel was tested after the Red Sea experience, so was Jesus after his baptism. The purpose was the same, to prove their obedience and loyalty to God's direction in preparation for their appointed work. Now, the outcomes were very different. Israel demanded its bread, but died in the wilderness. Jesus denied himself bread and became the bread of life for the world. We see irony in Jesus' life. He refuses to turn stones into bread when he is hungry, but he feeds the multitudes, the 5,000 and the 4,000. He will not turn stones into bread for himself, but he will give his own body as bread for the people. His food was to do the Father's will. So do we see COVID-19 as a test? Have we been humbled? Are we trusting God more? Are we learning to depend on him more? Are we trusting him for provision in his timing? How does this satisfying of our desires rather than obeying the Father manifest itself in our lives? Well, every time we place our desires for food, comfort, friends, career advancement, fame, sex, power, entertainment, above our desire to heed God's word to us, it's present in our lives. Every time we seek to meet our own needs, our own way, in our timing, it's present in our lives. So Jesus will say to us, Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We're called, we're invited to trust the Father. Jesus re resists the first temptation. So the devil comes with the second one. Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The pinnacle of the temple was probably the southeast corner of the temple area. The top of the portico, which was some 450 feet, about 137 meters above the Kidron Valley below. This time the devil quotes scripture to test Jesus' relationship with the Father in two ways. One, does the Father love him? If he throws himself from the pinnacle, will he send help? Two, does the Father know the best way to start Jesus' ministry and gain a following? A jump would certainly produce a crowd. It was a suggestion pleasing to the eyes. 
But note that the devil's quoting of Psalm 91 is a blatant misuse of Scripture. He quotes a few verses out of context in an effort to manipulate Jesus. Listen to the verses prior to the devil's quotation. Psalm 91 verse 9. But you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Now, listen to the verses following the devil's quotation. Verse 14 of Psalm 91. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. End of quote. In the context of the psalm, God protects those who make the Father their refuge, those who hold fast to the Father in love, those who trust him to guard them in all their ways. The psalm does not encourage people to force God to protect them, to test God as as it were, as, as they make foolish, risky decisions. If Jesus had jumped from the pinnacle in full view of the crowds, it may have gained him an immediate, enthusiastic following, but he would have left the beautiful way. He would have left the way of following the Father's redemptive plan, suffering whatever consequences may come. He would have left the way of submitting to the Father rather than making the Father serve him. And this, in essence, is the second way to leave the beautiful way. Use God to serve your own agenda rather than serving God's agenda. Jesus responds to this temptation by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Exodus 17 is in view. There, just after the miraculous Red Sea deliverance, the Israelites put the Lord to the test by demanding water. The Israelites, they test the Lord by asking, is the Lord among us or not? If, if he's anywhere in the vicinity, we should have water. To test God is to manipulate and bribe him. For both Israel and Jesus, demanding miraculous protection to prove God's care was wrong. Manipulation and bribery always reflect unbelief, even when it's couched in prayer. Too often we pray and act as if God exists to serve us. He must pass our tests of faithfulness and meet our demands if we are to follow him. He must act because of the power of our faith and bless us because we have given so much of our money and our time and have been just so very faithful. Every time we fall to this temptation, it betrays our basic unbelief. In the life of Jesus, this temptation will reach its climax when he's arrested and he faces the cross. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus will refuse to exercise his right to call on legions of angels to deliver him from arrest, trial, and crucifixion because that is not the way of the Father. He will not use his powers and rights to force the Father's hand to serve his own agenda. So Jesus has resisted two temptations. The devil comes with a third Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. 
Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Here the devil drops his disguise and the central issue is brought into the open. It's very simple. Satan wants to replace the father in Jesus' life. He wants control. At Jesus' baptism, 40 days earlier, the father said from heaven, this is my beloved son. A clear reference to Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. A reference which every God-fearing Jew understood to be a reference to the Messiah, the mighty king who was to come, the one who would bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, the culture of heaven to earth. Jesus knew the passage. Here are those words in the context of Psalm 2, and I quote, I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession, end of quote. You see, the Father has already promised the nations to Jesus as his inheritance. The question is, will he trust his Father? The devil transports Jesus to a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor in a moment of time, most likely a supernatural vision. Jesus can become the king of kings and have dominion over all peoples if he will only worship the devil. Why would Jesus be tempted by this if the Father has already promised this to him? Well, let's go back to Jesus' baptism. There the words of the Father unite Jesus, the Son of God, with the suffering servant. The words with whom I am well pleased come right out of Isaiah chapter 42. Jesus is to be the suffering servant of Isaiah 42, 49, 50, and 53, who will lay aside his glory, suffer, and die for all people. This is the beautiful way bringing salvation to all peoples of the earth. The devil's offer is for Jesus to take a shortcut that sidesteps the cross. Jesus would have to abandon his redemptive work on the cross for all of humanity, but he would receive global power immediately. The devil offers a quick, easy pathway to receiving the kingdoms of the world if only Jesus will fall down and worship him. Only one catch. It comes at an extremely high price. The cost is one of exchanging the love of the Father for the worship of Satan. That is always the price of idolatry. Behind every power we choose to serve, whether it is another person or ourselves, we always find the inspiration and activity of the devil, the evil one. And here is the third way to leave the beautiful way. Serve another power to get what you want rather than trust the Father to be good. The temptation is to break the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me, Exodus 20, verse 3. The devil challenges and rejects God's exclusive claim to worship. The devil says to Jesus, all these kingdoms I will give you 
He claims to have the authority to give these kingdoms to Jesus. Does he have the kingdoms of the world to give? He is the ruler of the world system organized in opposition to God, John chapter 12. He does have significant power and influence over people and the powers of this world, but his influence and power are limited. Remember, the devil is the father of lies, John 8. The devil's temptations always involve a twisting of reality. His game is to make himself appear to be more powerful than he is. He promises to deliver what he cannot deliver. All authority, it actually belongs to God. (laughs) The psalmist exclaims in Psalm 24, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Jesus sends the devil packing by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. End of quote. Jesus says no to the devil's offer on this high mountain so that he might receive on another mountain after his resurrection an authority greater than anything the devil could ever offer him. When he commissions his disciples in Matthew 28, Jesus begins his commission with, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has received that authority over heaven and earth from the Father. In verse 11 of chapter 4, we read, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is a touching scene. Jesus refused to relieve his hunger by miraculously turning stones into bread. Now he's fed supernaturally. Jesus refused to throw himself off the temple heights in the hope of angelic help. Now angels come and feed him. The devil will continue to oppose Jesus throughout his ministry, but every temptation to leave the beautiful way will be countered by Jesus through a posture of obedience and trust. Where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus will be victorious. Jesus refused to take a shortcut to inherit the kingdoms of the world. Now, in the following verses, he will begin his ministry, announcing that his kingdom is at hand in Galilee of the Gentiles. Because Jesus resisted the temptations of the devil, light will shine among the nations. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. The sick will be healed and the demon possessed delivered. The culture of heaven has come to earth in the person of Jesus. His reign has begun. So as followers of Jesus... How do we resist the temptations of the devil and stay on the beautiful way? Here are seven things to remember to stay on the beautiful way. First, remember the example of Jesus, what we have just studied. The author of Hebrews states that Jesus was in every respect tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's Hebrews chapter 4. Jesus learned obedience through suffering as a son, Hebrews chapter 3. Jesus set the pattern for us. Then two, remember your identity as a child of God. Nothing can separate you from the Father's unconditional love. 
The devil would want you and I to doubt our inclusion in God's family. Doubt God's goodness to us. Doubt God's presence in our lives. The fact that we are tempted or tested does not mean that God has abandoned us. Three, remember the spirit of God lives within you. The same spirit that guided and empowered Jesus abides in you. You too can overcome temptation in the power of the spirit. Paul wrote, and I quote Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, end of quote. No temptation can defeat us if we turn to Jesus and rely on the Spirit's enabling resources. In Jesus, we do have the power to not sin. Four, remember the Word of God. The truth of God helps us discern the devil's schemes. Jesus said in John chapter 8, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus resisted the devil by trusting the word of God. Remember the promise of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, I quote, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it, end of quote. Remember God's promises and rest in them. Five, remember the larger story of God and his purposes. When God tests us, he is preparing us to live into his good purposes. When the devil tempts us, It is never just about us and our desires. The devil is always trying to undo something more. He has God's larger purposes in mind. Often the battle is most fierce before a major victory. Six, remember you can resist the devil. You can say no to him. We are not just the products of environmental conditioning. We have a will. James The brother of Jesus writes, chapter 4, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Learn to begin the day by putting on the full armor of God listed in Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18. Memorize that passage. And then 7, remember your support community. Angels came and ministered to Jesus. The same word minister is also used in Hebrews chapter 1. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So as children of the Father, submitted to his will, we have angels in our support community. We receive the care and protection of angels as Jesus did. Now we must also walk with friends who pray for us and help us overcome our struggles. I have needed this so much. Again, I would recommend that you join a discipleship group, Freedom Sessions, Pure Desire. Check out our website for details. As we walk with Jesus and submit to the Father, we are transformed by the Spirit. Our minds are renewed. We learn to trust God. We begin to think like Jesus. We begin to make choices in alignment with God's will. We experience the joy of overcoming temptation. And we enter 
the freedom of the beautiful way. Let's pray. So Father, we humble ourselves before you. And again, we are just so grateful, Father, that you have drawn us to yourself by your spirit. Jesus, we thank you again for coming and showing us the way. Thank you for being obedient to the cross. Jesus, we want to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill us, guide us, empower us that we might overcome temptation. Lord, grant us a hunger for your word. May we immerse ourselves in it, understand it, live by your truth, not our truth. May your truth, Jesus, set us free. Help us to think as you think. Renew our minds. When we think the way you do, then, Jesus, we will discern what is good, what's acceptable, what's perfect. And so, Lord, we ask for that renewing of our minds. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that in you we have received the mind of Christ. And so, Jesus, we thank you for this gift, and we choose to follow you. The enemy comes to distract us, to uh, get us to turn away from your way. Lord, protect us from the attacks of the enemy. May we every day hold up the shield of faith. In fact, may we put on the whole armor, of your whole armor every day. May we put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. May we put the gospel of peace on our feet. Lord, may we hold up the shield of faith, put on the helmet of salvation, and pick up the sword of the Spirit, your word that is living and active. And may we stand firm in you, reflecting your glory, reflecting your image to those around us. Lord, we love you. May we walk in your love. May we love those around you, or around us in your name. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless.